Welcome back to Naffy Break with me, Dominic O'Sullivan, and my guest today, Alan Nell. We're going to delve a little bit deeper into Alan's career change and the significant event that took him on the trajectory to where he is today. Grab a brew, sit down, and listen to the rest of Alan's story. Because you're not completely cut adrift then from the services. You're surrounded by people who probably share the same gallows humour and, and kind of banter that you know we all take for granted, but maybe isn't appreciated in other circles so much. So, so great. So we're in, we're into G4S. So where, where did that take you? What was the what was the kind of thing for you? Because as you said, that kind of stabilised things that got you into you know you're earning, got the mortgage, you're now seeing the family. What was the next progression from there? I mean, the, the, the big chapter in my next life was was uh, where it all changed. Really, was um, I, I, I kind of missed the armed forces. So, so one day I uh, I, I put names down to be a poppy poppy peel seller for, for remembrance period, and um, I, I get a phone call from the British Legion saying, "Look, the, ta- the town next to you is." The, the, the family have won the poppy peel there for 30 years. They're, they're getting elderly and, you know, they're, they're now unable to do it. Could, could you just fill in for a year? And I was like, I, yeah, I, okay, because my problem is I can't say no to people. So I was like, yeah, okay, this needed to be done. And uh, I, I, I looked after the, um, you know, the, 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 the town and, you know, running all the poppy tins out and stuff like that. And it, 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 to this day, it's probably the hardest job I've ever had. I mean, that's after the people call that they love it. It's like... When you're trying to do your day job and you got that on top as a volunteer, it was it, yeah. that's where it changed. And and but I, I did get that like kind of buzz that I was I was giving something back. Um, really enjoyed it more of a, a, a passion, really like a, like kind of a calling. And it sounds a bit cheesy, but it just felt like really really soothed me down to the ground on on to, to wait for the legion. And then yeah, I, you know I I hear quite a lot from ex-servicemen who who are now doing a lot for service charities and, and involved with service organizations that actually when they were in the service didn't play as active a role or as big a role in in fundraising or getting involved in those things when they actually served but but i think that whether it's um, uh, a moral thing or, or just a, a conscience thing feel that they want to serve and they want to give back when they when they leave. And part of the reason for this pod is to kind of highlight the veteran community and uh, and give a little bit back to the service. So I'm yeah, I kind of I, I can understand exactly what you what you meant then about giving giving back to the service. I think that's really powerful. Yeah. So listen, I'm going to kind of jump a little bit to the point where we met, which is 2013, and you were the the main driving force and organizer behind the, the the guinness world record attempt for the longest rugby match ever ever played um yeah. and for a charity that we you know i support now and you called scotty's little soldiers how, how did you get how did you get to be that person what was the spark that went from poppy seller working for g4s to to you were the man organizing this massive event yeah it was it was you know, it, 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 it's it's from from sad circumstances, really. Um, so the, the I, I was doing the poppy stuff, but that was only for a couple of months of the year. And um, I, I entered a, a half marathon, and, and I just kind of stumbled across Scotty's little soldiers. Who, who if 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 you're a member of the unfailed forces, and, and you know you, you fall on the battlefield or an accident at home or something like that, it's it's charity that helps you know uh, kids who have lost parents in the armed forces. For anyone who doesn't know what 
what they do. And um, it was basically, I, I had a friend, I, 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 when I left the forces, I started playing football again with the lads back home. I wasn't really able to do when I was, was in, in the forces. And there was a young lad there and he, oh God, he, must been, he started playing with us when he was about 13 years old and he, you know, he, he grew up playing football with us and he got to the age of probably 18, uh, uh, Private Dan Wade, and, and he joined the Yorkshire Regiment. And um, he was a good lad. And I remember the last time I ever saw him, he was literally, he said, right, I'm off, I'm off to Afghan and he was, he was you know, full of beans and all this kind of stuff. And I just said, just, just, you know, and we used to just say this corny thing in Northern Ireland, but it's, it's really corny. It was corny because we knew we didn't, you know, we were never really in harm's way, like the, 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 what army and marines would be. He said, I just said, keep low, move fast, stay safe. And he said, I will, mate, I've got a kid on the way. So I said, just, just look after yourself. And I think he only lasted seven days. They were killed in a huge IED um, strike. And he never got to meet his daughter. And and that kind of hit me quite hard, that, to be honest. I just, although I wasn't like best mate to him, but, you know, I've played football this lad every Wednesday night for years and years. And, and I thought, well, I've got to do something for Scotties. And then, um, you know, I had some ideas of this rugby match. And then I'd, I'd met a, 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 a a guy from the Royal Welsh Regiment, uh, Dave Allison, who's still serving now, um, who'd also lost, lost a friend in Afghan and his little daughter had, had lost their dad. And we just kind of teamed up and we did some stupid events like running 40 miles in two days and stuff. And we said, what can we do next that's a bit mental? <laughs> and and we came up with this idea of, of let's go for the longest game of rugby union ever to take place. Now, everyone who knows me says, I'm not even a big rugby fan. I'm more of a football boy from Merseyside. So it's quite funny to get involved in such a big scale of event. But it was um, it was a hell of a lot of planning that event. Massive. Uh, massive. And obviously, I, I ended up playing in that game. And, and again, your, your powers of persuasion. You say you don't say no to people. I kind of realised over the years that when you ask, nobody says no either. So, I mean, I know you had a strong, strong influence on everybody in, in that event. And just just for the benefit of those that, you know, obviously might not be familiar with the charity, but you, you organised this game. You got Premiership Rugby Club, Leicester Tigers, uh, to, to host it. They pretty much emptied their pockets and, and helped in terms of support. They, they, they were absolutely fantastic. And I remember, you know, obviously from a player's point of view, what that was like to receive. But just just remind us just how much money that one event on its own raised for the charity. Yeah, so I, um, the, the whole event raised £66,000 for Scottish Little Soldiers. Um, and, and that was all built on me and Dave. Um, you know, Dave being a full-time squaddy and in the Royal Welsh and, and me working full-time, I was... In, in my day job. So I, I literally worked from you know eight in the morning, got a young family at the time as well, eight in the morning till six at night, and then I'd literally start my my second job, if you know what I mean, in terms of you know volunteering for Scotty's little soldier. So I'd be there till about twelve o'clock each day in, in night and just a couple hours sleep. But something you touched on earlier on was the, the skills that you brought out of the, the, the service and, and how that helped you to be able to talk and mm. communicate with people. I'm assuming, and I, and I know, that, that the organisation for this event, you were dealing with multi-agencies. You know, I think we had, it didn't we have the um, army parachute display drop the ball yeah. in on the thing? We had local yeah. radio, we had TV, you know, Leicester Tigers did their thing. So, I mean, you must have been in your element there because all these skills that you had, you're not mind sweeping, but you've brought those skills out. You probably had to pull on every single one of those, I'd imagine, when you were doing that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, 
it's funny, it just makes you the armed forces, it's planning, 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 and, and sometimes planning for things that could go wrong, I guess. And and we were quite meticulous in looking at every avenue is like, well, what if someone breaks a leg, what do we do then? Right, we need a pitch side trauma specialist to play uh, be on the pitch side. So it was it was looking at everything that could go wrong. So from what starts out as a, a kind of almost like a secondary job and, and, you know, outside of your normal working thing now becomes the day job. And you're now, you now got this job with the firefighters charity, again, another uniformed service. So I, I'm sure there's parallels there with the kind of environment and everything. So what do you, what's your responsibilities now? How do you, how do you go about that job? Cause it's not just, adding on to a normal day now where you can step away and maybe in a couple of months do it again. This is day to day. What's the difference now doing this all the time rather than kind of part-time? It was learning all, all like the, the, the legalities of, of being a professional outfit. Um, but it, it, it's just a, an amazing fit for, for myself in terms of, like, like you say, it's another armed forces, uh, not a, a armed forces, but it's a uniform service where I am, um, and, and do you know what? There's a lot of armed forces in the fire service, um, but it, they've also got that dark, wet, dry sense of humour and stuff like that as well. So it's it, it it does seem a good fit certainly for me, and 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 it's been brilliant. But my day to day role is is in terms of looking after the fundraising, looking after our community fundraisers, and also trying to find corporate supporters and stuff like that. I, my area is is the northwest of England and all of Yorkshire and Humberside, so. Only a small area that I've got to look after, um, <laughs> but it's um, no, it's it's a it's a brilliant place to work. Absolutely love it. So your communication skills we talked about before. You're now talking to companies. You're now talking to people that can potentially kind of you know donate, support, put on events, etc. I know from when I've sat and spoken to some of the the firefighter rugby players because I've I've got involved in in your second and third world record attempts because not only did you do this once you've actually done it twice more just for the benefit of the listeners you did a repeat attempt at this and we did 25 hours when we did the first charity uh match the second group which i helped manage the players off the field went for 29 hours am i right with that that, and and just explain to the listeners why you ended up doing a third one after that I don't even want to bring it up, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we, we played at uh, Welford Road. Uh, uh, no, sorry, the Six Ways one round. Uh, the Six Ways home of uh, Worcester Warriors. And um, they said, oh, yeah, because you need the evidence for the Guinness World Record. They said, you can record on our CTTV. It's all in the hard drive. I said, do I need a backup? And they were like, no, it's safe as houses. It wasn't safe as houses. So they missed the first eight hours uh, of, of evidence. So we, we couldn't claim the record on the first attempt. So then I had to go back to 46 squaddies and, and uh, firefighters and say, yeah, we didn't get it. We've got to do it again. That's the... <laughs> so... Yeah, but the story doesn't really finish there, Alan. I know at the time he said, you know, we've lost the evidence. We can't submit it. But I think pretty much to a man, most of the lads, because, again, your influence and not being able to say no, they just turned around and said, we go again. And I think for anyone that's been involved in, in those events, I think that that camaraderie and that family, that forces family and the cause being, 
split now because it was hard 50 50 wasn't it It was 50 percent yeah. for scotty's little soldiers and 50 percent for the firefighters charity but actually it wasn't two teams it was actually mm. one group of players who came together to do that event and you know and I, I i take my hat off to you in terms of not just doing that kind of event once but but doing it three times mm. and how hard that is when you're going back to probably some of the same sponsors and so forth so that level of resilience and kind of take no for an answer and keep going again to me sounds like you know these are the skills that you spent nine years building and now you've been able to kind of use those to, to full effect yeah it's it's definitely from the forces in terms of you, you, you go until you get the job done and if it doesn't work you just keep going back and and keep plugging away and, until you've got you've achieved your goal and we, we in the end we did thankfully achieve that goal yeah yeah, I think that's a really strong message. And, and I do think that's very much a kind of service mentality, which is I will get the job done and whatever it takes, I'll get the job done. And you keep going and you keep going until someone, you know, pulls you back and goes, you know, your, your job's done. So, so fantastic. And so obviously now the, the work with the charity, uh, with the firefighters charity has been going well. How long have you been with them now? Seven years with the firefighters charity now. Been a Wow, that, that's flown by because, yeah, yeah. That's, that's flown by in that time. So um, if you look back now and, and you kind of think, you know, the the young guy who got on the ferry to Liverpool to say, right, I'm, you know, I'm not academic, I'm not going back <laughs> to college in the afternoon, you probably wouldn't have imagined you're in the kind of role that you're doing now. But, you know, if you look back at that, what are what are you doing now? What how what is it that you're doing now to be successful that you think you've you've learned or or taken from the service? I'd say it's just just being it, it it sounds bad, but just being a nice person and approachable and good people skills and and, and engaging situations of you know if I'm speaking, let's say I'm speaking to a big corporate company, do I need to be pally with them? Or do, you know, do I need to be quite straight down the line, matter of fact, and, and give them the factual stuff? So it's gauging situations. And I think that with, with the armed forces, you work with so many different people and situations. Um, but I, I'd say that it just it just created me to be a confident person. And, and, and anyone in the forces will say, like, even if you don't know the answers, just appear confident and you'll get through it <laughs> so it's, it's some of that as well yeah so Al, i think if you look at the kind of achievements since you've left the service which i mean i've invited people onto the pods who i think are above average joes you just go about your job you're not doing it for plaudits and you you're not seeking for you know the the pat on the back necessarily you just do what you do but if i had to ask you now in the role from when you first started raising funds for the poppy the poppy appeal how much money do you think you've been responsible for raising for charitable causes since you started have you ever even thought about that no not really no i mean i, I know with scotty's when we were doing the, doing the rugby and stuff like that i, I think a, a large for the kids to go and stay at and have a uh, you know a, a recoup break with the family was about a hundred thousand pounds and i remember me and dave thinking We've just ticked over a hundred thousand pounds. That that that's a nut to buy a Scotty's Lodge. And I was so delighted with that. Like I, I can't even tell because I, I know from knowing quite a lot of the fado, uh, uh, the families and the widows and stuff like that that what it meant to them that to, to take the kids away and, and see them smile. I, I, I really not 
not really ever thought about how much I've raised in, in terms of figures. It's it's more that the, the the what it gives back to people, the money raised. I think that's the most yeah. important thing. Mm. Absolutely. I think those three rugby matches in itself are probably, you know, the cost of one of those lodges in itself. And, and you continue to raise funds. And now with the firefighters charity, I mean, obviously, there's, there's another thing that I wanted to touch upon, because I think when you're in the service, you're not necessarily so tuned into the, the welfare side and the fundraising and the, and the, the organisations that can help ex-service or ex-firefighters when you're in. But when you leave, you be almost kind of seem to pick up those threads a lot more yeah. what what would you say to people in the fire service now who so that they're aware of what the charity is actually doing with the money that's raised you know what were they were they organized their next car wash at the fire station and potentially it's going into where what is that money doing for the firefighters yeah i mean joy it's it's i'm quite blessed and and, and people say what's your motivation and stuff but it's hearing the stories like we offer physical rehab um so people suffered injuries uh, in the line of duty or, or just uh, you know, fell off the bike or something like that we, we help with that um we also have welfare cases in terms of you know we have, we have firefighters currently on our books who are sleep homeless in, in effect in, in terms of sleeping in the back of vans or trying to live on fire stations and stuff like that you know due to hours of breakdowns and such so there's a lot of that going on, but I, I, the, the biggest thing in, in terms of our charity now is the mental health aspect. That it's, you know, we, we I, I've got no stats to back this up, but from my experience, we, we're losing more firefighters and, and personnel in the fire service through suicide, uh, if that be serving or retired, um, than, than you know, people killed in active service at, at, at incidents and stuff. So I, I'd say, you know, it, not just the firefighters charity but anyone struggling with mental health it's it's such a big part for me to it drives me on every day because I've, I've met people who said from the support of your charity i'm still here today and that is quite a powerful thing to hear that you know that the, the you know the other fundraising the stressful you know trying to put events on and stuff like that and me going more and more gray by the day but it's 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 the it's it's to know that you're in an organization that's saving lives that, that's quite special just, just one last thing. I know, uh, obviously, in recent years, we've had some uh, some major incidents that you know have hit national headlines, and and I'd pull out Grenfell as a as an example of that. It almost seemed to me that the awareness um, and admiration for the fire service, off the back of that, and for the actual firefighters on the ground, seemed to be much higher in public consciousness. And I just wonder whether the knock on effect to that was you were finding it. Not, not necessarily easier, but people are more willing to support the charity because the awareness of just what these firefighters go through and what they see firsthand and have to deal with. I, in the same way that I think Help for Heroes did a lot for raising awareness for, for military charities and for all the other military charities out there who have almost, not piggybacked, but they, they've benefited from that awareness. Is, is there an element of that, do you think, with, with the public these days? Yeah, I, I mean... You know. Grenfell was horrendous, and I've, I've heard people were there that day, and it's just God's awful, what, you know, what they went through and stuff. And but the, the, there was that appreciation of what they, what what they did, you know, on on that night and, and stuff. And, and I think coming up to present day, in terms of you know the pandemic situation we're in, where it's you know you might only bump into a, a firefighter or something, you know, 
on the side of a road at a road accident or you know you had a you know your, your, your pants caught fire at home and situations but now the fire service has been deployed to so many different areas like driving ambulances you know they're doing a lot of the vaccination programs and stuff so people are coming to contact with the fire service a lot more and, and certainly I've, I've seen it in fundraising over the last year that you know when a firefighter puts that to the public to say look i'm, I'm going to be climbing snowden or something or that the public just pour money into it because they're so appreciative of what what they're doing for their communities if you think in, in this country you know every community has a fire station in it one shape or form very close by they're part of every community across britain and we, we've got to keep those firefighters so fit and active and, and their well-being and emotional and, and physical to to make sure they're there to look after our community so it's, it's like a full cycle with, with, with this charity it's but the public are certainly yeah it, you know, it's been highlighted more of what we did yeah uh, i could sit and talk to you for a lot longer than this the danger is that you'll talk me into doing some other ridiculous charity event by the time we get offline so i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of bring things to a to a close just as a final point if you were now talking to somebody who's young considering um the armed forces or, or considering joining up or somebody who's in the service who's now kind of getting prepared for, for leaving or coming towards the end of their time what would you kind of say as a bit of advice for them either going in or getting ready to come out what are the what are the things you yeah, pass on I, just like that bit of advice to buy a house that you had years ago which obviously turned out well what would you pass on i say there's a few little bits i'd, I'd say for the moment you walk through the doors get ready to leave in, in terms of to treat your, your military services a, a, a full-on resettlement package for you know just try and get as many courses and, and stuff like that but I, I think the biggest one for me would probably be networking and and that's a big part of the charity world it's, it's constantly networking so speaking to people if you can you know you know i built a new career for myself off volunteering so potentially you know going out and volunteering and and, and, and meeting people so when 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 you leave uh it's been fantastic talking to you really appreciate you giving up the time and hopefully uh people listening at home will, will gain some real nuggets from uh, from our conversation today Al, thanks ever so much for your time Thank you.